Cloudspeaker Studios. Hey, I'm Rick Collins, and you're listening to I'm the Devil, and I played the Devil in Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. You're listening to Zach Bynes Talking Trauma. Talking Trauma with Zach Bynes. It's really huge. Welcome to the show. Tromaville, and welcome to episode 20 of Talking Troma. In this very special episode, I go toe-to-toe with Satan. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been joining me in this trip through Tromaville, and there will be plenty more. Keep your eyes peeled as I'm I'm thinking about starting up a Talking Troma Patreon on there where I'll do like different shout-outs, um, you know, exclusive for Patreon, like trauma trailer and trauma movie commentaries i'm still figuring it all out but i think that's something that people would like and it'll you know help uh you know just help help this going so i can keep buying more trauma dvds and even i'll have you know tiers where i can promote your project or business or whatever on the show um this has been brought to you by a mortville vpn but right now it, more importantly this episode i needed to have very special guest 420 it's such a you know a milestone marker and well i'm gonna play a clip of our next guest giving the last temptation to toxie let's listen melvin junko come on up look out there my boy let me show you your future! Ta-da! <laughs> toxic shock! No, 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 no toxic shock. Just oh. your imagination set free! <laughs> Look out there, Mel. More than you've ever dreamed of. A proud, shining world with a portion every driveway. Chicken McNuggets in every pot. And you! Oh, you, Melvin! Smack dab in the middle of it. With more than you've ever wished for. Loved by millions the world over. You'll be more popular than the Beatles and Elvis combined. Oh, oh, that sounds like an awful lot on minimum wage. Who said minimum wage? Did I say minimum wage? I didn't say minimum wage. Melvin! Baby! What self-respecting, hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength works for peanuts? Mm. Uh, none, I guess. Oh. Melvin, you're stuck! All these things I will give thee if thou will fall down and work for me. Work for me. Where have I heard that before? He sold weed to the Cretans, commanded terrorists on a jungle island, was the chairman of Apocalypse Incorporated, and is Satan himself. Let me introduce to you Rick Collins. Thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure being on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I gotta say, I'm very excited uh to talk to you about about your time in tromaville i very exciting stuff 
I grew up uh, the first Toxic Avengers, the first one I saw, but Toxic Avenger 3 was the first one I owned out of all of the trauma movies. So I played that on a loop. So your performance (laughs) in that one really stuck with me (laughs) all these years. Wow. So I'm curious, um, were you always an actor before you got involved with trauma? So I was a a theater minor in college, um, some aspirations for acting, um, enjoyed it very much, but uh, ultimately decided I wanted a paycheck and uh, that was steady, like, you know, some kind of gig. An actor's job is typically looking for work, as, as you probably know. Yeah. So yeah. I went to law school and, um, and started working as a prosecutor. And, um, and that's sort of my, my career path. But when I was in college, um, I also uh, worked at a couple of different jobs. And I was working as a bouncer in, in some nightclubs. And the kid who worked the coat room one day, one night that we were there says, you know, we're going to New Jersey tomorrow for this for this movie thing. I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, well, they're looking for like bodybuilders for, you know, in shape people for this like health club scene. I'm like, well, I'm a, a personal trainer, you know, a bouncer, I'm, I'm you know, competed in bodybuilding. Um, Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, I went down the next day to Jersey and the the working title of the movie was Health Club Hero at that time. Okay. And, um, you know, it was called the production company was called Trauma. I really knew nothing about it at the time. And do you think uh, you I ever went, saw any of their uh, sexy comedies before that? By I don't think so. I don't think I had. Um, so, you know, went there and, um, wound up there for, I think a two, two days of the shoot. The, the first day was, was a, a scene. And then I found out that the script was basically this health club mop boy who, you know, tr- falls into that of nuclear waste and becomes this, you know, hideously deformed super creature of, you know, immense size and strength and, so, um, okay, so I was in the scene where Melvin the Mop Boy dives out the window and, you know, we're all sort of standing around as he's writhing and all of the goo. And, um, and so I spent a day on that shoot. And I know that, you know, Marissa Tomei, I think was, was there that day. I've heard, but of course it was before she was ever yeah. in anything. So I had no idea who she was, <laughs> but there were a number of people who were there. Um, it was a pretty big production. And the next day, I think I went back and I, I think we shot a scene where uh, I was given a line. And this was, you know, my first time ever in a film. I had done some stage work and this and that, but I'd never been in a movie before. And they dressed me up as a biker. And I was in the scene where the, you know, the main, you know, heroine of the movie, uh, I think her name was Claire at at that time, uh, if I recall. And um, she's walking with her cane down the street. And I'm with a couple of other thugs, you know, hanging out uh, on the, uh, on a motorcycle or on the street. I'm the one who takes her cane away. And my my first line in film was, where are you going, Blondie? 
And uh, as I take the cane away from her and kind of, you know, lift her skirt suggestively and, you know, we threaten her and we're all laughing when she says, I'll tell my boyfriend Melvin. And we're all laughing, Melvin. <laughs> and then, of course, he appears and he's huge and we all run away. What's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So, um, so that was sort of where it all started. And, and you know, it was fun. And, um, you know, Michael Hurz and, and Lloyd Kaufman were, were kind of, you know, both hanging around and I uh, got to meet some cool people. And, you know, made some nice connections. And I figured that was kind of it. You know, um, I finished, you know, schooling and, um, you know, was was getting ready to, to I was either in law school or getting ready for law school. And uh, and then they called trauma called me again. And um, I'm like, well, well, what's up? And they're like, well, we'd like you to, to come in and do something for this new movie what we're doing. Okay, well, what's that? Well, it's called the class of Newcomb High. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what do you want me to play? Well, we got a part for you. We want you to be this character who sells you know, radioactive marijuana to these high school kids and causes them to mutate. So I'm like, okay, that sounds like perfect job for me. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and so I did. And, and I think the, the character's name was Ron Sims. And I and they dressed me up in this hazmat suit. Um, and I proceed to sell this, you know, radioactive weed to these kids, and um, which you know leads to the plot of this, you know, this crazy story of these uh, you know, radioactive kids. And um that was that was fun. Um, you know, being in the hazmat suit was fun. Uh, <laughs> having a, having a little few more lines was nice, and so um, and so I got to sort of now I had these two trauma films under my belt, and at the time I was trying to do some other stuff. So I was doing a little bit of commercial work, and um, I had some uh, extra work and some you know bigger budget movies. Um, you know, small little parts here and there, doing a little bit of stage work while I was getting ready for my career as a lawyer, which ultimately is what I do for a living. Um, but um, but so so that that was fun. And a couple of years passed again. And now I was finished law school and I was working as an assistant district attorney trauma calls and says, we need you. We need you back. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, what, what now? So they're like, well, we're filming this movie um, that, that requires a, you know, an actor with some, some muscle on him, And, um, and we think you're the guy. And so I went down and we were filming up at um, near bear mountain and uh, in, in a park up there. And I remember my first day, I was so excited. Now I had, I was a villain. I was like, yeah. you know, significant villain in this movie. And it was very exciting. And I remember showing up on, on set the first day and changing. And my costume was basically, you know, riding pants, uh, black boots, no shirt, uh, yeah. frost bandoliers, you know. Um, and uh, I think that there was like a, a, a tattoo that would be penciled on on a, every morning and um and a you know black beret 
And the idea was they had fitted me with like a, a pig's snout. Yeah. You know, this, this prosthetic pig snout, which I had no idea that that was just the beginning of the prosthetic and, you know, yeah. uh, kind of latex involvement that I would have with trauma. But um, but so so that was the the character. And it was a it was I played this character called uh, Billy Colonel Jennings. And uh, Colonel Jennings was, you know, on this island and we were terrorists. And we, our idea was to, you know, destroy society with, yeah. with the AIDS virus and all these horrible, terrible things. And um, so uh, it was uh, it was a blast. I got to shoot guns. I got to um, to do some of my own stunts. There was a hovercraft. I was going to ask you about that. I like, so that is actually you driving that hovercraft around. So I practiced most of the morning. Uh, they were going to have a stunt man do it. And Lloyd was like, I'll do the, I'll the stunt man. I'm like, you know, Lloyd, let me try this. Let me see if I can do it. So I, I practiced, I'm, I'm riding around in the, in the little, uh, the hovercraft for the day, because that ultimately spoiler alert, uh, that is how I meet my demise in that movie because somebody throws a, a live grenade in the hovercraft and I try to get it in time and boom, you, you see this, you know, my, my body gets blown into, into pieces. But I spent the morning riding around in the hovercraft and, and got decent at it. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's me doing the stunts in, in that film. Um, I, I was going to ask, so I was going back, listening to the commentary, or actually reading Lloyd's book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger, and he said originally in, in there, you had a bigger pig nose than what shows up on film. Um, he talks about you getting into a car accident and breaking your nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was, you know, we had some problems with the prosthetic. I did get in a car accident on the way there. I got banged up a little bit, so I was very sensitive. Um, so they, they kind of downsized it a, a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun role. It was a blast to shoot. It was, I mean, my role was maybe a week, something like that. A lot of it, I think was on weekends, you know, a few consecutive weekends. Um, you know, it was the beginning of, of understanding the pressure of losing the light in a film, in a film shoot as, as you know, you, you know, that that's as the, in a day shoot, when you need the light in order to be able to shoot the film, when, you know, it's half an hour or an hour before sunset, the director, everybody realizes they didn't get everything done that they wanted to. So they're going to be behind schedule. So we're every the pressure, the anxiety level increases and the losing the light becomes the, you know, the, the driving factor. Um, and I remember there was a, I think he may have been a, a, an assistant director um, named, named Jennings, like my character. And um, I think his first name was William also, as like I think my character was. And um, and I remember Lloyd screaming as the pressure came on. And if, you know, either production assistants or others were not doing things in in a timely way, 
Lloyd's phrase was "it's asshole time," and I don't know if you've ever ever heard him. I've use been on that. the receiving end of asshole time. <laughs> so yes, so that's in one of his famous lines, and he would scream, "It's asshole time! It's asshole time! William, William!" And he would be screaming, um, and, and he, the louder the, the 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 more light was lost, the louder he would get. Right, so. Um, so that was that was a fun shoot too. Did so I, in his book he talks about a lot of the cast and crew living in those barracks. Did you live in the barracks with them? I I didn't live on for that one. I didn't. My role wasn't big enough. I, I may have spent like one night in, in the barracks, but I wasn't there for a long period of time. I know a lot of the other actors were. Um, you know, for me that was really more in the in the later Toxic Avenger movies. But um, but yeah, I know that people were living it. I think it was Camp Smith, if I remember. And um, and it was uh, it was barracks. And, you know, it's a it's a casual film set, you know, guys, girls, everybody's kind of, you know, changing room is unisex. Everybody's pretty open. Um, so it was uh, it was it was a cool, cool opportunity to meet a lot of cool people. Um, how was so there's a ton of guns in that movie how was gun safety on the set of that film you know um looking back i probably should have been more cognizant of it um you know i look we had in in all of the uh, even in toxic one there there were fire stunts there were, um, you know, in, in Troma's War, there were there was were guns. Um, you know, we had you know, professionals that were were brought in. Particularly, I mean, most a lot of the actors were were not Screen Actors Guild. They were, you know, um, non union actors, and that's most of the trauma movies. It gives an opportunity for people who are not professionally committed actors to be able to do things on film and you know sometimes it's the way somebody looks or has a, a funny manner that that gets them cast um but but with respect to the the guns and the stunts um i do remember that most of the folks involved were were professional folks who knew what they were doing um, you know, looking back after seeing the Alec Baldwin scenario and whatnot, you start to realize, you know, how how things can go wrong. That really wasn't on my mind at the time. You know, your your adrenaline is pumping. Yeah. You know, you're, you're focused on your character. You're focused on your lines. You know, and trying to make the the best performance that you can make. Um, and so there's a level of trust that that they're going to be doing their job and doing it the right way. And luckily you know, knock on wood, you know, we, we didn't have any problems. On Poultry Geist, they were, uh, there was just one gun stunt in the movie, but they were very careful on set. So it's kind of nice to hear. It sounds like it stayed pretty consistent throughout the history of trauma as far as, you know, safety for that goes. Yeah, I think safety has to be, you know, you can, you can have them, you can talk about some of the some of the scenes and actors in in the toxic uh, sequels, but you know you can you can have people who are not professional actors and you can fudge it around. Um, you can't fudge safety. You know you you need to have 
professionals handling weaponry or, you know, or even stunts, you know, when something can go wrong, you've got a, a big, big problem. Yeah. You were also just talking about how um, there'd be different looking actors just kind of cast in parts and uh, legendary actor Joe Fleischaker was discovered on the set of Troma's War. Do you have any stories about him from Troma's War? <laughs> he was. So, uh, you know, Joe just had a, um, you know, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Joe had a, uh, just an incredible look that, you know, uh, was unique and, and Lloyd loved it. And so he started out as, as really just a face in the crowd and um, began, you know, when, when Lloyd, or I guess any director of a, particularly a non-union shoot, who has the flexibility to really bring anybody in and give larger roles to certain to, to whoever they like or, or want to, um, you know, Joe got bigger and bigger. I, I remember bigger, and bigger parts. And, and I remember, you know, I'll never forget him just sort of like he was able to get down on one knee and, and Joe's a, you know, for those who've never seen it, we should describe Joe was an enormous person. You know, yeah. there was a lot of Joe to love, you know, Joe was, I don't even want to guess his weight, but it was, you know, it was mind-boggling. And he looked uh, but, half his size there that he was on poultry guys, that's for sure. Really? Okay, yeah. But he was he was able to move enough that, you know, he he got down on one knee. You may remember the scene where he's shooting a gun down on one knee and he's, you know, moving around and and jumping and so, you know, Lloyd liked him. Uh he was a character. I remember one night, I think it was maybe we. I think it was when the film opened, and we we all went to some sort of rap party, and, and you know, after a rap party, we went to like a um, an opening party for the movie. Um, and Joe drove us around. And I remember he had this huge boat of a car, and and I was sitting in the drive in the passenger seat, and Joe was driving around, and we had some of the other actors uh, in the back. I don't remember who they all were. I believe Paul Borghese was also in Troma's War. Um, and Paul then went on to do the Toxic Avenger sequels. He was the that sort of Robert De Niro-esque Lou Cipher yeah. from Angel Heart, you know, character where he, he eats, eats the, the eggs. Uh, <laughs> he eats the eggs like a maniac. Um, but um but yeah, so yeah, so Joe was Joe was a, a a good guy, and he went on to become a trauma favorite, you know, in many ways, and and to have a lot of uh, people who who were fans and and enjoyed his his acting. I don't think he had any acting training, um, you know. He just he just loved doing it. Yeah. Um, I also heard that Troma's War originally was three hours long. Do you remember any special effects or or just crazy stuff you shot that did did not end up in the movie? So so I was probably, you know, I was maybe like a secondary villain in a way, because um, there were there were a, a number of, of us sort of working in tandem to facilitate this terrible plot of you know, infecting, you know, the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that actually, you know, the, when you think about it, that was a less evil character than I went on to play. You know, that yeah. was 
that was the good guy, you know, role of mine. But, um, but so I didn't, you know, I didn't get to spend as much time on the set. So I didn't see all those hours of, of footage, you know, um, that, that some of the other actors may have. Um, but, um, but I think Lloyd was notorious for filming more than he needed. And um, that then can sometimes become two movies yeah. at, at one shoot, as, as I guess we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, well, real quick on the on the Troma's War uh, front, uh, what was your reaction the first time you read about the AIDS Brigade in the script? Yeah, I mean, I, you know when you're when you're getting into a trauma film that it's it's going to be edgy, that it's going to be provocative, it's going to be controversial. You know, that's that's the nature of it. You know, you you look back even at the original Toxic Avenger movie. You know, it was it was just pushing the envelope of violence and gore and you know. Um, sex and you know and mixing it with comedy and and some science fiction and and whatnot so um so i knew <laughs> even just from the you know the role that i played in class of new Kamai, where i'm selling radioactive marijuana to kids <laughs> you know this is this is not going to be your grandmother's film series <laughs> yeah you know um you know and edna probably is not going to be a huge fan but but for you know people who who like this sort of you know rule breaking kind of comedy that's pushing the envelope and and you know um turning conventions on its head you know that that's you know the aids brigade i mean that's that's pure, that's classic lloyd kaufman yes <laughs> awesome and you, and you said you went to the premiere. Did you uh, go see other screenings of Troma's War just around? Like, I know it had a theatrical run. It did. It had a theatrical run. Um, I, uh, I, you know, we're talking a long, long time ago, Zach. And <laughs> I do, I do remember going to uh, at least one premiere, um, if not more. Um, and it was nice because, um, you know, people people who saw it and people who had seen the movie recognized me and en enjoyed what I did in it. And, um, you know, I tried to, you know, be campy and, and funny. And, um, you know, there was even a little bit of ad-libbing and, um, you know, um, that, that op opportunities presented themselves to kind of try some different things, which, yeah. which I did. Um, and which ultimately I did a lot more of in in the future movies. So let's let's jump into probably the biggest of the roles of of yours in all of Tromaville. Uh the chairman of the board, Satan in the Toxic Avenger, I guess yes, part two. Alert there, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so <clears throat> the well, um at the time that, so I, I had finished Troma's War, uh, I think that might have been in maybe 1987, we're, we're talking about, um, maybe 86, that, that that was shot. 
and, and came out in 87. And I think it was in the summer of 88 that, or in the, in the spring of 88, that I got a call from uh, my friends at Troma saying, we, we need you back. And, and I was like, well, okay, well, we're, we're doing a sequel to The Toxic Avenger, and we'd like you to read for a, a few parts. And, and originally, I think that the idea was for me to play The Toxic Avenger. And um, and so I went and I actually had a um, screen test with Phoebe Legere uh, with some of the scenes where I was playing Melvin and she was, you know, playing the leading lady. And, um, you know, she's, you know, I'm 5'10", 5'10 and a half, um, not short, but not tall enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I just didn't have the height to really make it work. And, um, and, and I'm glad in a way that it worked out that way, because obviously the part that I played was not a full mask role. And, and so I got to do much more acting and have my face in the movie. So, so I didn't get the part of the toxic Avenger. Um, but, but Lloyd, for whatever reason, just liked my shtick, you know, he, yeah. he liked the way I, I did things. And so, um he's like well um would you consider playing the villain and it's a corporate and and lloyd knew that i was working as a lawyer as an assistant district attorney at the time and so i had you know i could clean up okay and and dress up in a suit and look comfortable in a suit uh very different than trauma's war yeah uh, <laughs> you know uh where i was wearing basically nothing but um, so I said, yeah, I would think about it. He goes, okay, because the original conception for that character was more of like a Joe Flyshaker. That character, the chairman, as originally conceived in the original script, was this <laughs> just, you know, morbidly obese, um, somewhat similar, I, you know, a large person you know, if you remember the mayor in the original yeah. uh, Toxic One. Like a was fat large, cat. Yeah, like a fat cat. That was sort of the, the idea. A fat cat, corporate fat cat, and, you know, um, showing kind of like the gluttony and, and that kind of aspect to it. Um, and I think it was going to go that way until Lloyd decided that he liked what I bring to the role or could bring to a role and so rewrote the the character for me to play the character and and rewrote it into this more you know um kind of like overly confident corporate you know but slight dressed up nice but slightly seedy something's not quite right about my yeah. um playing much older. I mean, the, the concept, I think I was probably <coughs> late twenties at the time. Um, so, you know, we grayed my beard a little bit and we did some, you know, makeup and whatnot to, to age me. Cause I, I wanted to look more like 40, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, but Lloyd was willing to do all of that for for me to play this sort of corporate villain which as you point out 
um, ultimately turns out to be the devil incarnate, right? And and so I I'm Satan, I'm Lucifer, I'm the you know the dark prince, and so my my villainy is you know as deep you know I was a good guy when I was playing the the terrorist and and the you know. <laughs> nuclear you know, radioactive weed dealing now i'm really the ultimate bad guy the ultimate villain yeah and i couldn't i couldn't say no to that role i mean it's it's you know how, how do you villains are the best characters to play by far and because you play the villain as a hero you play the villain you know as a fully justified rationalized you know, character that's really doing the right thing. And so my conception of the, the chairman and the devil, of course, was, you know, I'm the good guy. You know, it's, it's you know, all these stick in the muds that are trying to ruin everything. And there's so much fun to be had. We can just do these wild, fun things. And that's the best of life. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's what makes, to me, the role fun to play. Yeah. And so um so Lloyd offered me the role. And then I had to go to my office and ask for the time off because this look, I'm a full-time lawyer. So yeah. I, I remember sitting down with my boss at the time and um and saying, you know, I had this crazy opportunity to play the lead villain in a movie, and I I really don't want to turn it down. And he was like, well, do you need, what do you need in terms of time off? So I'm like, well, I need six to eight. He's like, well, if six to eight days, I'm, you know, we'll put you down and it'll work. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's six to eight weeks. He's like, six to eight weeks. You know, how, how are we going to, you know, you're in a part, you, you're assigned to a judge. How are we going to work around that? <laughs> and um, if I said, uh, you know, I came up with some ideas of how to do it. He's like, well, you know, listen, um, if we can't, you know, we can't offer you the job back, we may not be able to make, make you any guarantees. Are you, are you willing to accept that we can make no promises to you? What would happen if, if we can't take you back? And I said, well, um, then it was a pleasure to work here. And, uh, and he was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, but it wasn't a bluff. You know, I, I wanted to do it. I figured it's these life throws things at you, opportunities. And how do you turn that down? It just yeah. it didn't feel right to turn it down. I had to do it one way or another. And so uh, off I went for six weeks or more, um, you know, filming what ultimately became toxic two and three but at the time we thought we were just filming one movie was there any talk on set that it might get split into a couple different movies or was it always just going to be this is going to be one movie um <laughs> it may be that that lloyd had that in the back of his mind um but but there was nothing that I remember ever discussed about that. I mean, we were doing a lot of filming, a lot of, a lot of, you know, film was going in the can, but, um, you know, that's true on all the trauma movies. And so we just thought it would be ultimately edited down 
but um, you know, I don't know if that was maybe at least a possibility in Lloyd's mind. Do you remember anything from uh, from those movies that got cut out? Because uh, I remember not too long ago, I saw one of the special effects guys uh, from Toxie 2 posting uh, a prop of like a baby that he blew up in the Toxic Avenger 2, which that doesn't appear in the movie at all. So I'm wondering <laughs> like what other stuff like that may have been cut out. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure there was a lot that was cut out, you know, Um and then, you know, there was the that sort of segue into Japan that that unfortunately would have been great if I could have gone, but yeah, you know, I wasn't invited. But um, but I think there was a lot uh, that was filmed there that also didn't make it in. So um, so yeah, there was there was definitely a lot. Uh, I don't remember any anything specific. I do remember that um i had i had an idea for the end of the movie um depending on whether it was going to be one or two you know i wasn't sure at this point how we were going to do it but i wanted to do this scene where the chairman was leaving town with Mal malfair who is my henchwoman played by lisa gay in the movie and um, and I'm sort of walking and trying to hitch a ride out of Tromaville and, you know, the cars won't pick me up and I take off my shoe and I throw it. And this, you know, dejected, you know, chairman who's, you know, ultimately humiliated and, and you know, the loser in the battle. I thought it would be a funny sketch, kind of a yeah. funny one. And I told Lloyd about it and Lloyd yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to do it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. I like it. Yeah. Good. Good. You know, the way <laughs> Lloyd would, would <laughs> sound. And um, so one day, the uh, first unit of the, of the production was off filming something and the second unit was really doing nothing. And I figured this would be a good day to, to do it. So I remember sort of commandeering the second unit and and filming this, you know, and setting up the camera where it was probably the the only scene I've ever directed in a in a film. <laughs> and so we we shot this, and um, and then I remember that night, as every night, um, we would sit and watch the dailies, whatever was filmed that day. After dinner, all the actors and and the crew would sit and watch in the screening of the various things, you know, scenes that were shot that day. And I remember it coming up and Lloyd saying, what's it? What, what's, what's this? What's this? Cause he didn't, obviously wasn't there and didn't recognize it. Yeah. Cause I sort of did it, you know, <laughs> on my own, so to speak, you know, I went rogue on that one. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, Lloyd, don't you remember you said, that you know this is this was like a scene that you wanted to me to shoot you thought it was good oh yeah 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 well, it's good i like it it's in it's in and of course it it is in and it ends you know toxic avenger 2 um but that was that was a uh just a great experience you know it was basically mostly a location film um shoot that you know, was in upstate New York, primarily Croton on Hudson um, area. And um, I remember going up there and we 
we would shoot pretty much all week. And then I would come home to, you know, Long Island, New York for the weekends. And then I would go back up to Croton on Hudson and film all week. And um, we did a few scenes were filmed in other areas. Um, one of the one of the great scenes was staged in the surrogate court in Manhattan, which was just it's one of the most spectacular, you know, locations you can shoot on. Is that the interior of the Apocalypse Inc. headquarters? Yeah, it is. It is. It's and we filmed at night because the court would be in session in the day. And at night we would uh, we would commandeer the the courthouse. And um, so you've got those arches, you've got that platform where, you know, the, the backdrop of Apocalypse Incorporated, which was the, the company that, you know, my evil chairman, you know, ran. And um, uh, it was just a spectacular, the boardroom table there um, with all of my henchmen. That's the scene where Malfair has her monologue walking around the table and, um, you know, Paul Borghese was at that table and Benny Nieves and, and Michael Jai White, who obviously went on to play Spawn and Mike Tyson and, you know, so many, um, you know, big, big movies that, that he's done. Black Dynamite. Um, <laughs> Black Dynamite is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend it to everybody. It's just, uh, you know, a, a sort of incredible modern send up of black exploitation films yeah. from the 70s and, Michael is incredible in it. I mean, he's a great martial artist. He's also a great actor. Um, this was Toxic 2 and 3 was really his first movie. And so he had no real lines. He was just one of my henchmen, um, but a great guy. And we've stayed friends all these years. Um, but but that was a, a great place to, to film those scenes. Um, most of the scenes were, were upstate, though. And um, uh, up in Croton on Hudson, and and I loved playing the part. You know, I I every I mean, it, it's a great thing to be able to get up in the morning, and your your job is is basically to be as silly and funny and scary as you can be, and to come up with new ways of expressing that in in ways that you haven't before, and to show them something new all the time, and to do line to say your lines in ways that are unexpected and to throw in ad libs. And Lloyd was fantastic because Lloyd having now done these other trauma movies and, and Lloyd feeling comfortable enough with me. And um, he let me kind of ad lib um, a lot of, of what we were doing. I remember, you know, there's a scene where um, the toxic Avenger is um, I'm on fire. I've set myself on fire. That was a stunt man you know, in a fire stunt. And um, the Toxic Avenger puts out the fire with his, you know, phallic hose, right? Yeah. So he, he pees, you know, the fire out. And um, there, I don't think there was a line that I was supposed to say, but I, you know, I basically wiped my face and said, now I'm pissed you know and so i just kind of you know started having fun with it um as, as you probably know the the premise of the two movies together is that the chairman the corporate chairman ultimately reveals himself to be the devil by 
tearing open his own chest and this green horned winged demon reveals itself to be the actual you know thing and i then play that winged scary demon and um as as the devil um it's funny i remember when i first we were first sort of before production even started we're doing pre-production i think i was at trauma headquarters which was um over in uh, hell's kitchen in manhattan at the time and um i remember we were discussing that the the devil costume this this costume that i'd wear would be made out of latex from a full body cast you know an upper body face head arms you know so the question was what color latex and i, I remember that there was some talk that there was uh, an abundance of white latex and that you know uh Originally, I think Lloyd was thinking red, like the red devil. And then when he was told that there was a lot of white, he was like, well, maybe the devil should be white. Yeah, it's ironic. It's, it's ironic. Make the devil white. And, and I was like, that, no, I'm not going to. I don't. I, that's going to look ridiculous. I'm not going to wear a white, you know, this white costume. So we settled on green. And so the the devil is green, the wings, the, you know, the, the headpiece. And um so that, you know, entire piece was form fitted, you know, the, the whole costume. So I remember sitting there and they actually take, you know, your head in and they encase it. You have two straws in your nose to allow you to breathe. You can't move your head, you know, or do anything until it hardens. And then when that's taken off, the inside becomes where they pour the mold. And so that I did that with my chest. I did that with my arms. And so ultimately the costume, you know, this was before CGI or any kind of, you know, you know, effects like that. Um, the costume was something I would have to get into when I wasn't playing the chairman in my suit, I was playing the devil. Um, it would be a full, you know, two hours to get into costume, to get those arms on, to get the the chest and back piece on, and it was all form fitted to yeah. me. Um, and and the headpiece was actually glued to my face, so that uh, if when I enunciated enough and I made my my expression strong enough, the mask would move with it, and the mask would actually you know, show facial expressions, you know, it would, the, the technology at the time obviously was not what it would be now, but it worked, you know, um, and the, and there was a beard aspect to it also, and a mustache, and I remember that, you know, there were days where, this is a summer shoot, and there were days where it was 80 to 90 degrees, and I'm sitting outside in the shade, if I could, just sweating inside this, you know, this latex costume. And to eat, I would have to, they would hold up the mustache and feed me because otherwise all the hair would be in my mouth. You know, and I had fangs too. And 
So I'd have to take out the fangs and, you know, it was, it was a big production, you know, and then getting it off, of course, at the end of the day was, was, you know, elaborate as well. Um, and, but it was, it was a blast. You know, there were two actors who played Toxie, um, John Altamura and Ron Fazio. And um, Ron Fazio started out as sort of a stunt Toxie and John was the main Toxie. And then some <laughs> issues, personality issues and whatnot on the set. And, and ultimately they were kind of two Toxies and then ultimately there was one Toxie and it was Ron Fazio. I, I did see a photo of you uh, in the shade, like just trying to get away and it definitely <laughs> looked miserable in that costume. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was you know, the things we do for our art, you know, but but it was great. Um, you know, I was able to just just throw in, you know, things that would make the devil would say if he wasn't really such a bad guy and he or didn't realize he was a bad guy and just sort of, you know, wanted to have fun. You know, there's a point yeah. there's a scene where I'm. Um, leading all these little kids onto the school bus before I drive it off a cliff, you know, and, um, and as I'm, I'm leading them in, I'm so excited to get these little kids into the bus, knowing the terrible thing I'm going to do to them. And for whatever reason, as I scoop this one little boy, had to be probably like six years old, as I'm bringing him in, I, I stop for a minute and go, oh, a young boy. And I, I kind of like scoop him on the butt and put him into the, into the thing, you know, whatever, whatever savage implications would come from that. Um, you know, it was just, and that's in the movie, all of these things were, were just kind of you know, stuff that I was able to kind of just throw in and have fun with. There's a shot in the movie where um, Satan is spitting out uh, like maggots or whatever. Uh, that wasn't you, though, was it? That was Perry Lunas. Um, and uh, so he did some stunts as as the devil, um, a few here and there. Um, I did a number of them myself. I I remember there's one, there's a fight scene between Ron and me and, and, you know, sort of offset just to, to let you know, um, it, it was a very family, like, I mean, we all kind of become family on a shoot as, as you know. Yeah. And so it started out where um, I was in the very beginning, I was sharing a room in this motel that was up in Croton Hudson area on location with John Altamura and uh, John and I were, were roommates and um, you know, you're spending the whole day together. You're, you know, you're talking at night, you, you, you're sharing, you know, your lives together. And then ultimately when John left, then Ron became my roommate. So I've roomed with both toxic Avengers <laughs> and, um, and then, and a lot of the extras had other, other rooms as the shoot wore on. I guess money got tighter, you know, things are starting to go longer than they were anticipated. And so um, some of the actors, some of the, the extras and, and small parts um, were, um, were no longer being comped for rooms. And so our room 
Ron and, and me, I remember we ultimately, we just sort of got guys come on in. And there was, you know, at least one night where Michael Jai White was sleeping on the radiator under the window. Uh, a few other guys were on the floor. Uh, Ron and I are in one bed. You know, somebody else is in another bed. Uh, Jerry Yates, who is who played the little bald henchman who didn't have any lines, but he had a dragon tattoo on his head. And he always followed me around as the chairman. Um he was sleeping across the bottom of the bed. It was it was almost like a college frat house. It, it yeah. ultimately became, and I was only in my late 20s. So it was sort of like a, a you know, a second college frat. You know, I was in a fraternity in college, and this is sort of a, a revision. You know, this is revisiting <laughs> that that experience. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and and some of those friendships, you know, um last to this day. And it's pretty awesome. You shared with me some photos uh, from set that that you said that only you and me had ever seen. Yeah. So so I think there was a day or two that um, that I had a camera on the set and I or maybe I gave it to somebody and we took some pictures and you can see the scope of the production. Um, You know, you can see the crane, you can see all the, you know, the crew, the extent of it. And um and so, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anybody's really seen those pictures um, other than than you and me. And, um, you know, or if, if they can be shared as part of this, um, it uh, it would be cool for anybody who's a fan of the movie to or the movies to to see it. Um, you know, one of the we, we mentioned uh, Jerry Yates, his character was Mongo. Um, I remember <coughs> and. One uh, one afternoon, I was always trying to think of just nasty stuff that that I could do as the chairman that would just show my just narcissistic contempt for everyone and everything around me. And so I was doing this. I had a few lines that I was supposed to deliver uh, with no real bit of business attached to it. And what I wanted to do was add to this this little bit of business where as I'm doing the lines, I take a match and I, I have a cigar through as the chairman a lot in the movie that I just light a match off Jerry's head, you know, just yeah. spontaneously. It just to me it just sort of showed the, you know, the just just doesn't care about anyone or anything. It just he's I'm just you I'm going to use his head to light my match, you know, which I thought was a nice bit. So um, getting back to when we talk about losing the light. So this scene wasn't going to be shot until the end of the day. So now the sun is starting to go down. The scene comes up. Lloyd says, are you ready? And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to, I really want to do this. Um, And I had taped a flint to the off-camera side of Jerry's head. And I had practiced a few times and I knew that it would light. I could light it, you know, right off his head and no one would see that that there was a flint there. So I'm like, Lloyd, I, I'd like to do this little bit of business, you know, where I'm lighting a match off Jerry's head while I'm doing the line. I could see right away Lloyd was like, ah, 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 we're losing the light, we're losing the light. You know, I'm like, I, I know we're losing the light, but I think it would be really good for the character. I think it would be funny. So I could see he didn't want to do it. Uh, I said, Lloyd, give me one take. If it doesn't work in one take, I'll do the line straight. 
no, no fuss and we'll be fine. He said, okay. And so cameras roll and action. And I take out the match and I, without even looking, I light it off Jerry's head. And because we were losing the light, the, the way the sun was setting, it looks like Jerry's head catches fire. It's like this flame comes out of the side <laughs> of Jerry's head as I light the cigar. Couldn't have gone better. And, and so that was in the movie. That's awesome. <laughs> did you did you uh, do a lot of the premieres with uh, Troma on that one? I did. I did. Uh, I remember we were um, we were interviewed by, oh man, I think at the time it was MTV. Back when MTV, you know, did music, yeah. But uh, but they did have shows, and um, they uh, they did do an interview, and and I was there. I went to the premiere. Lisa Gay, Ron, um, you know, many of the others. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I wound up doing, and I don't know if you'll remember, there was a a show many years ago, talk show. New York, New Jersey talk show called the Joe Franklin show. Yes. And basically if you were, if you were an actor or somebody, you know, of some notoriety in the arts, usually film TV, if you were either on your way up or on your way down, you were doing the Joe Franklin show. And so, you know, this was my up. And so I wound up doing the Joe Franklin show as a guest in, you know, 89, when, when the movie came out. And um, the I was on the set with uh, Captain Lou Albano, who was a well-known um, professional wrestler yeah. who was in a Cindy Lauper video many years ago. And, um, you know, he had, he used to have a rubber band in his goatee that he would like, you know, keep together that way and uh and tiny tim and tiny <laughs> tim well i mean talk about straight bedfellows me lou and and tiny tim who was this you know falsetto voiced eccentric ukulele player who got married on the johnny carson show in in 1969 as i remember so you know, tiny was probably on his way out and you know you're either on your way up or on your way down um and i remember on the show he kept uh calling me you know mr collins and you know i certainly i didn't know his last name so i was calling him mr tim <laughs> and uh you know and, and and we actually took commercial breaks and i remember captain lou albano wanted to because he, he knew i was in shape and you know, he, he wanted to show me some of his patented wrestling moves. And the two of us were actually rolling around the studio floor in Joe Franklin's studio <laughs> while we're, we're in the, in the in, you know, breaks between the commercial breaks between the segments. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I remember Variety uh, gave, gave a review of the movie where he's, it was very complimentary to me. And um, it was uh, it was a blast. It was a blast doing it. Um, you know, uh, I remember other just memories from from, you know, the on location. Uh, there was a a restaurant called Sorrento's at the time up in Croton on Hudson. And I remember because I was playing the devil, 
they they wouldn't take my money for drinks. They felt it was bad luck. So you know, Ron Ron Pazio and I were were drinking for free and probably drinking too much. And I remember the next day we had our fight scene where you know I have to jump up and do a flying kick and all this other stuff. And I remember you know Lloyd probably still doesn't know, but we were we were either hungover or possibly even still a little bit inebriated when we were doing those scenes the, the next morning. That morning came came much, much too quickly. Um, and, and one of my other, you know, I wouldn't say it's a favorite memory. It's, it's a disturbing memory, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a memory. Um, I'll never forget, I was standing near that bus of school children and they had brought in all these extras little kids and their moms um to be on the bus and to you know that I was going to do this terrible thing to and I remember standing there and makeup was working on me I'm outside I'm standing I've got you know my wings are folded behind me I've got you know the green costume long black fingernails Fangs in my mouth, you know this these horned, you know mask headpiece, uh, terrifying appearance. And I look over out of the corner of my eye, and I see these three little girls. One was maybe nine, one was maybe six, and one was maybe four. And they're whispering at you know as they're you know looking over at the you know the big monster. And finally, the the biggest one, the oldest one, gets up the courage and comes over and walks up to me. And I say, hi, how are you? You know, it's I'm just a man in a costume. See, it's you know, it's (laughs) not real. It's, you know, okay. so she goes back. The middle one comes. Hi, how are you? I'm nice to her. You know, all of this. Finally, the little one gets up the courage and she comes walking up to me and she's standing in front of me. And and I'm you know again I'm I'm thinking I'm the devil right I'm I'm playing the most evil character I'm I'm trying <laughs> trying to be in the character I've, I've I've been living breathing eating this character and so when she walks up to me it just I don't know what comes over me but I just go <laughs> and I spread out the wings come out to their full six feet on each side the fangs come out i'm like the i've heard it said i never actually saw it until that moment when you say somebody's hair stands on end this girl's hair actually (laughs) stood up she just babbled incoherently turned and started to run as soon as i did it i felt horrible horrible and so i then go no 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 so I begin chasing her to try to calm her down. And so I'm running and she's looking over her shoulder and this, you know, this green demon is chasing her. So finally I go, okay, this is, this is a terrible, terrible thing. This was, this is, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be paying for this in many, many afterlives. So uh, then later when I'm walking by the bus, she's on the bus with her mom. And every time I pass, She's screaming and pointing, and the mother is like, you know, what? What do you? He's just a man in a costume. She's like, <laughs> so you know, I, I think now, even all these years later, that that poor kid must must be on a psychiatrist's couch, just saying he was so nice to the other kids. Why? Why me? What? 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 what, what you know? You sent so, that psychiatrist kids to college with that one. <laughs> 
So, can, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about working with Lisa Gay? Yeah, so um, Lisa was very, very focused. You know, I know she went on to play um, a, a character in class of, in a sequel, Class of Newcomb High sequel, um, and did a lot of stuff with trauma. Um, Lisa loved what, what she was doing. She was very, very focused. Uh, I remember, you know, running lines with her. I think we were in her, her apartment in Manhattan at one point and just trying to, she was committed to, to you know, making that character as uh, the, the best she could. Um, you know, it was great. You know, it's always better if you don't have a mask, you know. Yeah. And, and obviously, I, I'm glad that, that I had so much in the movie without a mask but also the devil was a cool character and i loved playing that because i could just be so crazy um you know I, I talked to ron fazio the other day and you know ron ron loved doing toxic avenger playing toxic avenger um but and there are a few scenes where ron is in the movie you know ron is one of my henchmen in the boardroom scene um you know playing a different character just playing one of my henchmen obviously and not not toxic and no one no one would ever know but um but he did have a few little little cameos as other characters in it um and um and he's done some comic-con i did i remember i did comic-con just a couple of years ago the new york comic-con at the trauma booth and it was a lot of fun and you know these these kids would come up to me who who like the movie and you know appreciate it and and you know i remember this one kid comes up to me and it's like you know uh, i really really love your work and and of course the work was done probably 25 years before he was born you know <laughs> and it, you, you realize film really is forever i uh, at my wedding i even showed a clip from toxic avenger 3 i got married in a movie theater so i had to show poxy's wedding from part three did you really yeah <laughs> so so yeah it's Definitely a, a very important film to me. Thank you. And to to have a little piece of, you know, of film, you know, I, I went on to uh, to ultimately um, get a, a Screen Actors Guild card. I had a tiny little walk on in The Sopranos. I, I played a cop in the seventh episode of The Sopranos first season. Um, and I remember getting a call for that and you know, there's this HBO thing. It's a new show. It's, I'm like, really, what's it called? Oh, it's called The Sopranos. I'm like, oh, it's a, like an opera, an, yeah. an opera show. <laughs> and, and the agent was like, oh, no, it's a, it's, it's a mob, mafia show. I'm like, call The Sopranos? It's never going to go anywhere. I mean, come <laughs> on. And uh, of course, once I, I did it, um, you know, I became one of the biggest fans of the show. And, you know, almost every New York actor got some little piece of, of within those seasons. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I'm, I'm just glad I, I was able to, you know, to have that little, little piece of it. Well, and then after the toxic Avenger, uh, you show up in Sergeant Kabuki man, NYPD. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, and so I, I think Lloyd just loved to, you know, liked me on set, liked me to, to come around. I didn't have much time at, at that time. I think I, um, I was already had left the DA's office and I'm a lawyer in private practice. And so if you need a lawyer, you know, there are certain areas I handle and, you know, I, I 
I'm, you know, available for hire as an attorney. I'm in a, a firm with other lawyers and it's, you know, you, you're, it's a, it's a serious day job, you know? Um, but uh, so I couldn't do too much, but I said, all right, get, just find something, something that is completely out of character for me to do. You know, I've, I've played the, the tough guy terrorists. I've played the corporate villains. I've played the, you know, I, I get, I play a cop and surprise, all these, something different. So I played a reporter who gets trampled in, <laughs> uh, in Sergeant Kabuki Man. And so it was completely something different. It was like a one, I think it was a one day shoot, which made it manageable for me um, and just kept me, kept my hand kind of in the trauma universe. A um, couple of years later, uh, Lloyd called me to come back for a sequel to Class of Newcomb High, a return to Class of Newcomb High. Um, and I said, okay, what are you thinking? And we said, well, I think the fans would like it if you play the same character that you played in the original Class <laughs> of Newcomb High, Ron Sims. I'm like, I'm in. So we got the hazmat suit back on me. Yes. And it, I'm just sort of like sweeping up and I just thought it was such a such a funny, cool thing that, you know, all these years later, which are what, 35, whatever years later, Ron Sims, he's still working there. He's still <laughs> on the job all these years later. This is unbelievable. So um, so I thought that was a, a, a cool way of sort of rounding it out. And then you also got to round out being in every Toxic Avenger movie as the police chief uh, in Citizen Toxie. I did. Yeah. And again, I was, I said, yeah, I'll do something, but I, I want just, just something quick, get in and out and um, yeah, police chief, let's do it. And so I did that, that in, um, in toxic, in the toxic sequel and, you know, which kept me in all of the, you know, the toxic movies, I guess, Dan Snow and I are the, the only two actors that were in all of them. I wish I could have been in the reboot that they're, they're doing now. Um that would have been a, a lot of fun. And I think the fans would have liked it. I would have loved it. Could it. <laughs> have been artfully put in there. Um, and I think that would have been a nice homage and, and respect for what came before. Um, but, you know, director went in his own, in his own way. It's just fun hearing like, just like how the sets were going back then. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't sound like too much has changed. <laughs> you know over the years i mean you can attest to that like from from toxic avenger all the way to return to newcomb high i'm sure is very similar yeah it was yeah any, well i i guess did you notice any like big differences like oh man it's, they seem to have a lot more volunteers than they used to or no no it's i, I think it's always been about the same um you know I think they have a set number of PAs. Too many, too many PAs running around is is not the answer either. So um, I think I think at this point Lloyd knows what works for the shoot, and that's the number that he puts in. Sometimes people drop out in the middle, and you got to replace them. But the number I think tends to be, you know, what it is. So one thing I thought was kind of cool too is that you were on the death death to the peewee squad poster but you're not in that movie correct yeah so that was very cool um 
I uh, that actually was done from um, a a sh shoot that I did in actually uh, Lloyd's uh, residence, um, where I came in and they wanted me to to play this, you know, just to you know to set up for um, a uh, a shoot, a photo shoot, and then you know to do an artistic kind of like a painting kind of thing out of that, which is what they did. And, um, and so, yeah, so they used that, uh, if I remember, I think it was Lloyd's wife that, that actually, um, you know, did that, did the shoot and, and, and put that together. And, um, so yeah, that I was not in the death of the Wee squad, but I'm on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> um, did did you act in any of I know they would shoot like Troma's Edge TV and Tromaville Cafe and little, you know, just kind of special features around the office. Did you ever show up for any of those? I think I did. I th I've done a few things where Troma's called me to I remember doing an I think I did an interview on the rooftop of the um, Troma headquarters when it was over on Ninth Avenue. Um, and a few other little things. I remember going over there often, you know, seeing Michael Hers, who's a lawyer, you know, I mean, obviously Michael and Lloyd together were the ones who formed trauma. And, and as a lawyer to lawyer, I always, you know, um, uh, would chat with Michael about things. And um, there was a lawyer who was working at the trauma offices at the time that I would come in and, and chat with as well. Um you know, I know that they moved from there long ago, but that was really an institution. Yeah. People coming in and out of that. Did you ever get to go there? I I have never had the chance to visit the trauma offices. So I live vicariously through all those DVD special features. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a special, special place. Uh, did you keep any props or any relics from any of the movies? So um, I did, I think I was supposed to return everything, but I'm not sure that I did. And I had the, the chest piece and the arm pieces down to the, to the gloves um, for the, the devil character. And I, I probably still have them somewhere. Uh, you know, I think time you know, time is the the enemy of of preservation of, of beauty, and so um, the latex is all peeling, and there's they're kind of falling apart after all this time. But I still have them, and like like you mentioned before, you know, I probably I had the pictures that I sent you, and I probably still have some other photos somewhere. Um, you know, things are so different now with cell phones, yeah. And, you know, everything is on video and it's so easy. Back then, you really had to make a conscious choice to take a camera and try to record some stuff that, you know, on a set where everything by definition is being, you know, importantly, stuff is the important stuff is being recorded. So, um, but I'm glad that I got the ones that I did. It's really cool. It's just such a, a time capsule piece of like, trauma behind the scenes that i've never seen before so that was really cool very cool um 
if you could go back and revisit any of your characters from any of the movies, who would you want to go back and play again? Um, I, I probably had the most, it was, it was the most physically demanding and unpleasant in the summer, but I probably had the most fun playing the chairman and the devil both. Um, Another another funny little memory that just popped up was there's a scene where I'm reciting there there are some people who are poor and homeless and they're they come up to me as this rich you know fat cat corporate CEO and they ask me for money you know they ask me for money for food. And I give them a, a line from Shakespeare, uh, neither a borrower nor a lender be Shakespeare. And the response is supposed to be a takeoff on David Mamet, who is, you know, has the F dropping F-bombs in his plays like crazy. And so the response is supposed to be, fuck you, David Mamet, you know. And so that's that's always roll camera. And the woman who's supposed to do it was a woman of certain years. She was not a professional actor. Um, and she's given this line. Uh, to In her defense, she probably didn't have a lot of time to prepare. She probably didn't understand the context of it. Um, and so camera rolls. I do my, ah, uh, neither a borrower nor a lender be. Shakespeare. And she goes, fuck you, David Mamet. <laughs> And cut, no, okay. And Lloyd's like explaining to her, he's not, he's not David Mamet. He's not. So, you know, this is you reciting a line, fuck you, pause, and then David Mamet and action. And I do my line and she's like, fuck you, David Mamet. No, <laughs> no, that's now cut. No, that's not. No, it's, you know, then it becomes fuck you, David Mamet, you know, and now it's every possible <laughs> syllable is being you know highlighted it, it became just disastrous and we're standing there and finally Lloyd's solution was to just stand there put the camera on her and just he said look just say exactly what I say talk about giving a line yeah. reading and so he now begins just screaming <laughs> f-bombs and David Mamet at this poor woman, older woman, and she's now parroting. So it was like, fuck you, 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 David Mamet, fuck you, David Mamet. Cut. Perfect. <laughs> and so he finally got the line out of her, but that's how he got it. So if you'll see it in the movie. That's sort of the the behind the scenes of how that scene came about. <laughs> that's one of my favorite jokes in the movie. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so well awesome well i really appreciate you coming on and sharing all these stories with me but i think we should uh start wrapping it up here um where where can people follow you on the social medias or or do you have a public presence really on the social medias so uh people are welcome to find me uh i'm pretty easy to find so uh rick collins esq uh the esq for lawyer uh, rick collins esq um, Instagram. Uh, I may post those pictures that I sent you on my Instagram 
So, um, so people could look for that. Um, I have a Twitter account as well, Rick Collins ESQ, so they can find me there as well. I have a public Facebook page at Rick Collins Online, so you can follow that as well. So, um, and if anybody you know wants to sort of see more about what I do for a living, you can go to RickCollins.com. Obviously, that's not so much in the in the acting or the trauma stuff, but it is uh, interesting though. I've read some of your interviews and and articles that you've written, so it is very interesting stuff. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you. Well, awesome. This was fun, man. Thank you for having me on and and letting me take this this long walk down memory lane. It's been a a long, long time since (laughs) since I I started my Tromaville journey in I guess like nineteen. 81 maybe something like that so um so thank you for uh for bringing these memories back thank you for coming on and everybody out there you can follow me on twitter at lego larry you can follow the show on twitter at talk and trauma and as always stay traumatized <laughs>